Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. A good Thursday morning to everybody. Mike McNamara, All Marine Radio. My friends join me this morning, as they tend to do on Thursdays. Um, from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how you doing? Doing fine this morning, Mac. How are you? I'm good. From Kansas City, someplace, is Will Cosentini. Will, how are you? Great. Good morning. All right. And then from, I don't know where Jeff is today. I think you... San Clemente. San Clemente, California. Jeff Kenny joins us. How are you, Jeff? Good. Thanks. All right. Um, thoughts on uh, not quite a week has gone by since the last time we did that. Uh, a lot of things uh, written, uh, a lot of things said. Um, so uh, what thought is foremost in your mind um, almost a week after the evacuation of uh, of Kabul International Airport um, has passed? Well, yeah, there's no such thing as Taliban 2.0. The Taliban is the Taliban is the Taliban. Uh, you know, when they announced their cabinet yesterday, they put four of the people we traded for Bergdahl into the cabinet. They put Haqqani in as a minister of interior. Um, they don't care about the international community. They didn't care 25 years ago. They don't care now. All right. Jeff? Well, um, there's a lot more than 100 Americans or so left stranded in Afghanistan, unlike what the uh, White House said. I think there's hundreds, maybe up to a thousand. And uh, they're all trying to they're trying to get out. Most of them are trying to get out. And uh, a lot of them were turned away while we still were evacuating people by the Taliban. But in some cases, by our own folks, because they just didn't know what they're doing. And. Uh, and the other thing was we brought thousands and thousands of unvetted Afghans over here. Um, and they're in like Fort Pickett. They're up there in uh, Quantico. They're, they're in uh, Fort McCoy. And uh, most of them have total free reign. They can leave if they want to. And they haven't been vetted at all. Meanwhile, uh, there's planes there and there's confusion between uh, who's not allowing these flights. For instance, there's uh, Several airplanes in the Masri Sharif, apparently full of passengers, a lot of them Americans, not being allowed to leave. The uh, State Department says it's not them doing it. The Taliban says it's not them doing it. But there's people on the ground and people who are trying to facilitate this thing who are saying at different times they're both doing it. So this thing just gets worse and worse. Because the implicate it's not just the things that happen that are bad, but it's the implications of things that happen. And uh, so, you know, it's really a, uh, it's really a, and I got some personal word yesterday that uh, the retired officers list, this is how good a lot of the Afghans thought about things were going. A lot of them are staying there in Afghanistan as retired general officers and stuff. And there's a guy who I advise me as a colonel who now, who retired as like a, a a major general, and uh, he's trying to get out. He's in danger. They're they're rolling these retired guys up and these uh, these officers up, and and uh, God knows what's happening to him. I'm I'm afraid to even say. And this guy wasn't a 
And here's the thing. What, what Will was saying, uh, it's not it's not only true that uh, Taliban's t- Taliban 2.0, most of that government, almost exclusively Pashtun. And that means they think they're not even trying because there's some radical Tajiks and radical Uzbeks and stuff like that who are, you know, Taliban, not even any of them. It's all Pashtun. It's all basically Pakistanis. Pac- P- Taliban equals fucking Pakistan. They invented it. They don't want to come up with Mullah Omar and all this, uh, you know, urban legend stuff about him. You know, the original leader of the pa- of the uh, of the Taliban. They're the ones who won this thing. You know, Muslim fundamentalism. And and as Will said, it hasn't changed. If, if anything else, it's gotten better at being bad. Timmy, I don't think you can calibrate the uh, degree of the of this disaster. In my mind, this chain of events started with a tactically negligent abandonment of Bagram. The way that we abandoned it at the middle of the night uh, without telling anybody uh, compounded that air. Three weeks later, it's so unstable that we've cut off the cash infusions to the Afghan's national bank of their own money from our uh, storage facilities in America. We stopped sending in money, crashing their economy, while simultaneously advising then-President Ghani to, quote, change the optics. It looks like you're losing. So this results in this catastrophic attempt to evacuate out of Kabul. And in my mind, those 13 people we lost, the 11 Marines, the sailor and army sergeant, their loss is every bit as unconsciousable, if I said that word correctly, as the the Marines lost to the AAV incident and Corman lost off San Clemente Island. Every time you opened that gate, to the Abbey Gate, it was the same thing as kicking a leaking AAV full of untrained Marines into a Sea State 5 ocean and saying, yeah, go out there and find a, a boat that, that you can't see in the mist out there off the, off the island. It was the same damn thing. And one of those times we got caught, somebody should be held accountable for those, those casualties. They were unnecessary. And, and they were incurred because our leadership was risk-adverse and would not allow us to do what we needed to do, what we knew to do, which was to achieve standoff. And it's a little bit different when you're taking casualties, when you've got the kill chain cranked up and the boys are going out to grab real estate, they don't tend to take a lot of casualties. They intend to flick them. And I still maintain that having done that, we could have salvaged some semblance of our dignity out of this debacle, but we didn't. We turned tail and ran. And the only reason we did not have a disaster was because the Taliban interceded on our behalf and got the crowds away. Now, the hopes of a stable Afghanistan seem to be gone. Mullah Baradar got into a gun battle with the Haqqani clan. Jeez, we didn't see that one coming. Who could have predicted that one? I believe we've been predicting that for a year now, that the Taliban cannot stay together. Remember now, the Haqqanis are not part of the Peshawar Shura or Qadashura. They're the third axis of evil, if you will, in the Taliban triad. And so this gunfight that that apparently hurt Baradar hard enough to cause him to be in the ICU, that's a significant event. There's only 7,000 Taliban trying to hold Kabul right now, according to my guy on the ground who's pretty good at guessing these things. And they've got a problem, and their problem is that the rest of Afghanistan remains armed. And I want to add one other thing. Uh, the, the, the cleared Afghans, like some of my people, had spent 
3,000 per family to get medically screened before being called down to the airport where they were never taken away. Now, we've been told that this evacuation was a success. At the height of the, of the Berlin airlift, they were running 1,398 aircraft in and out of Berlin a day. At the height of our airlift, we got out 7,800 people. Give them a charitable 250 per plane, that's 31 aircraft. Don't tell me about how remarkable this, this historic airlift was. It, was a, it, it, it wasn't that good, quite frankly. And with that, I turn it back to you, Mac. Oh, wait, can I ask Timmy something? Tim, did you hear anything about the Panjshir fighting? Um, I, I, I forgot to cover that in my little uh, uh, rant there. Yeah, I've heard the Panjshir has been captured. I hear the Panjshir hasn't been captured. There certainly appears to be some districts that have been captured. I find the whole thing perplexing. Those Panjshiris had more than enough time to get adequately armed. Well, let me, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Has the Panjshir ever been ruled by anybody but Panjshirs? Never. Okay, so oh, well, I, th I think maybe when the when the Arabs first invaded Afghanistan back in like 1300s, but no, not in modern times. Right, and I would even question that um, because let me tell I you, if too. you're not willing to go up there with divisions and stay there forever, you will not you will not dominate it. And if you don't dominate it, they will they will eventually rule it. So uh, my own opinion is I don't know what the Taliban have done up there. I'm sure sure, sure they surge some people into some districts but they will they they do and again we've talked about this for a year they do not have the ass right in terms of they boots on the ground right to dominate that country right militarily they're what they will the only thing they can do right is you can dominate it through terror which means that you show up and you kill a bunch of people and then you leave and that's how you teach lessons so the question is and, and again that won't go. I mean, the Afghan people have done this before. They're no strangers to this rodeo. And so, uh, again, my own opinion is whatever has gone there, you know, they're faking it. Um, the Panjshir will be the Panjshir, as it always has been. And it will be ruled by Panjshiris. And, uh, and look, they know <laughs> it's like going to, to chase another kid in his own neighborhood. He will be seven blocks away by jumping over fences, crawling through holes that he knows since he was three years old. And that's how they know that place. And when you're coming into fight, you simply don't know it, and they will beat you to the punch every time. And so whatever the news is writing, um, I tend to believe the long line of history and not whatever some jackass is writing these days. And, and you can't discount the significance of controlling the secret police for 20 years. If, if there's ground-mounted Gal Gatling guns, the Panjshiris have got those. They've got all the Gucci equipment we left, I guarantee you, retrograded into that valley. So I find it curious that the Taliban would have any success against them. But again, reports of Pakistani aircraft in direct support of the Taliban units may explain some of that, if that indeed proves true. But I certainly believe Pakistan has got air uh, pilots in there to run some of those uh, uh, those those propped those those fixed wing propped aircraft they got from uh, from Brazil. I forget what the hell those things are designated, but th those are badass planes. And if and if they've got Pakistani pilots running those, uh, that'd be difficult for the Panjshiris for sure. But they will figure it out as they always have. Oh yeah. And well, it, no, I, right? I no it'll confidence. be it'll be in close to it'll be in close terrain, right? It'll be in close terrain. It'll be from caves. They'll figure it out. 
Oh yeah, and and the rest of the country still aren't. They have not disarmed the population. So so that that's all that that's all we know. But I just think that we've launched, we've we set the conditions for a black swan to fly out of there, and and it could be rather catastrophic. But who the hell knows what that's going to be? Um, I want to go around a second time. What about as you turn your lens inward inside the Department of Defense? Um, have you seen anything in the last week that either encourages you or discourages you? Well, you know, at the high star political level, I haven't seen anything that encourages me, um, at all. Um, something that does encourage me is some of the stuff that's starting to leak out about the actual conduct, uh, of the neo there's a video out there on youtube that's just raw sort of gopro footage and uh i I wish we would have seen that in real time it would have helped us understand what was going on um part of that footage shows marines on one side of concertina wire while some local national is beating other local nationals with rifle butts and pointing pistols at them as we're standing by watching. It was sort of interesting. Um, oh. I think the more of that get, that gets out, gives us better context of how people were trying to make decisions there. I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging. Uh, well, as you looked at the video, <laughs> um, did you find it encouraging or discouraging? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I got to tell you, part of it was discouraging. It, there was uh Again, try and be a little careful here. There's some obvious ill-discipline and some real confusion about what the ROE uh, could have been. The problem with video is you only see what's in the lens of the camera. So you don't see what's on the sides. You don't see what happened before and what happened after. Um, But there was a lot of stuff there that, was uh um again it just made me question how the whole thing was being played out how it worked out what the rules were etc so sorry that's all right that's all right that's real that's loud too Yeah, you know when you get aged, you got to uh, you got to turn the ringer up louder. Yeah, those little foo foo phone ringers. Who the hell hears that shit, man? I use the same one. My kids ridicule me. I'm like, hey, it works, man. It works. When the people next door can hear it, that means I can too. Um, Jeff, uh, uh, turn the lens inside the DoD. Uh, anything you find encouraging or discouraging? I think Jeff fell off. Okay. That's Tim, how about you? Oh man. Look at that. And and rapidly comes off mute. Yeah, yeah, I I um I find nothing but discouraging uh because it appears from listening to the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of Defense talk that whatever introspection that's gonna occur is gonna occur from the perspective that they did an excellent job and is this is the best they could do given the the nature of the contingency, 
which again I absolutely reject. Is nature that was a it was a leap ex through their ass because of constraints they imposed on themselves. But what needs what would make me comfortable would would be a military that that would look at our performance and ask answer the the question. There's there's only three things that we have to do in a counterinsurgency. This is again something we discussed back in the 1990s: tangible support reduction, commitment and motivation, flexibility and adaptability. That's 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 all you need. But you can't have tangible support re- reduction when you've got Pakistan an open border that uh, the, the Taliban are using with Pakistan. How can you have commitment and motivation to a government that doesn't even pay its damn troops, that abuses them, that... that you, can't, you can't ask somebody like Jeff to go in there and train Afghans for, hey, why can't you control Kunar? You've got all these guys. Well, because the entire border area is a sieve and they can jump across it and get sucker and, and ammo and chow and God knows what else. Now, it's ridiculous. So well, I don't yeah. see any introspection about any of that. And, and, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm disgusted by this entire spectacle. And you look at, at the rest of the nation, it's not like the economy is booming and things are looking up everywhere else. The only positive thing in the entire country is that the NCAA fans decided they weren't wearing masks at football games anymore. That's the only thing that remotely looks like it's a, a touch of normalcy returning to our lives. Praise be to God. Well, yeah, I, I was I missed you guys for a while because I lost connection here, but I'm back. So, um, just based on what Timmy was saying the last three or four minutes. Now, hey, hold um, on. Here's a question: Does anything okay. encourage you or discourage you internal to the DOD that you've seen in the last week? Um, the encouraging part is the uh, the people like Lieutenant Colonel and below that I see every day because <clears throat> they're you know they're uh, Buckling down, they want to do the job. They would go back in, you know. They would do anything. They're the same, you know. It's uh, you know, it's it, that's encouraging. The discouraging part is there's no, no one saying we made a mistake with this, we made a mistake with that, you know. And uh, we made mistakes all the way through there. And as far as developing the uh, Afghan security forces, that was the biggest mistake of all. I mean, maybe maybe rivaled by the mistakes we made in developing the Iraqi security forces. They just never took it seriously. Like, for instance, all the generals who are running things that they brought, they're all guys they brought back in from other countries in, uh, in, in 2002 or so, 2003, who work for the fucking Russians against the people of Afghanistan during the Soviet invasion. They're the ones who are running things. My guess is a lot of them that are ran away, and they're the ones who ran away. They didn't retire in Afghanistan. Same guys. And the reason was because they're easy to work with. And who did they pick to run the country? You know, academics with no record at all, like Hamid Karzai and this guy Ghani. They should have put they should have put Dostum or some hard ass in there and have a chance then of taking his country through a bitter war in one of the bitterest places on earth. And then the army, U.S. Army, decided that we're going to own the battle space and we're going to partner with all the Afghan security forces. They took what was kind of limping along pretty good and ruined it. Because when you these things, when they partner with these uh, Afghan forces, they ruin them. If they're good at all, then they're ruined. They use them for photo ops. Afghanistan only matters for seven months out of their lives and most of them never go back again. 
the battalion commanders get their tickets punched. They got a photograph with the guy, and they say the same bullshit we were hearing from the generals. Everything's going good. These guys are a lot better because we really work hard with them. Get the fuck out of here. That's not the truth. It's not the truth at all. And uh, and people were telling them that. People were. T- I was telling them. That. I told people that above me all the time. This thing is not working. This thing is not working because the government's corrupt at the top. They're, we're constantly having to um, uncover things where people are stealing pay. They're stealing gasoline and ammunition and selling it to the Taliban. Our own guys, guys above the, you know, what we would call the 05 and 06 level, doing that shit. They would come down. They'd say, we're going to have an inspection because we're worried about your guys' planning processes. All that meant was we're coming down to, to extort money from you. These motherfuckers would even extort more money from the, uh, from the brigades and uh, the Kandaks who are fighting the war. Unbelievable. How, how could, you know, and then the other thing was this thing, all these guys are bullshit about saying how good the Afghan army was. Everybody from, you know, General McKiernan through uh, McChrystal all the way up to General Dunford and, you know, and this last guy. But the truth is all of them are thinking, well, you know, the Afghans could probably hang on if we just back them up. And I, I was shocked at how fast the thing collapsed, which told me they didn't even, they didn't even like, uh, you know, uh, make allowances for the fact the Afghans are going to be alone for the first time. They should have had guys in there with them, talking to them. Hey, listen, you guys can do this. I'll be here with you. I get, we got this guy. I used to be an uh, active duty guy. Now I'm a, uh, you know, now I'm a GS guy or whatever, but I'm right here. I'm going to be with you every day. And uh, if something happens, we can call an air. They didn't. They, they got rid of Bagram. They said, fuck the, they didn't tell them they're closing off the power there. My guess is they probably didn't tell them the, the shit they did when they uh, when they started to unask Kabul. Well, but again, Jeff, was, I mean, Donald Trump negotiated our complete withdrawal by May what May thirty first. Yeah, but they didn't do things the way he said. He he said if any of these conditions is not met, I'm bombing you guys. And he had credibility saying that because of the no. things he had done. Uh, you know, I mean, but again, that, that was his guy, fucking Colisade, negotiating all that, the complete withdrawal. No, that's not his guy. Now, Mac, that's not accurate. Colisade? He kept him, Jeff. He kept him, though, right? If, 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 oh, if, oh, if, if you're oh. there and I keep you. But, and, and so this is so. This is my question. So we then. Um, the complete withdrawal and an American strategic defeat in the region and the implications of that. Okay. Now I talked, to, I was talking to somebody this week. I won't mention his name. You all know, him. um, long, he's a retired guy. And he said, is it possible that Joe Biden simply lost confidence in the American the leaders of the American military after 20 years of being wrong. And he just said, I won't do this anymore. You haven't been wrong. You haven't been right ever. Is, is, is that possible? Well, how did he know they hadn't been right ever? Like the Afghan security forces were good to go. There was no event that proved that they weren't. They, there's nothing to get. No, no, I'm not talking about the Afghan security forces. I'm talking about the American military leadership Right, that has that wasn't right about Iraq, right? That struggled in Iraq, that struggled in Afghanistan, no. that, that that never gave that that that, and that that was this is this was his point to me. He said, "Look," he said, 
We've been wrong every step of the way there. Is it possible possible that he simply looked at it and said, I have no confidence that these guys are right, they haven't been right, and I'm not going to do it anymore? But he's never been right either. Regardless of that, I I don't want to talk about that and turn this into a political discussion. What I want to talk about is, is it it possible, right? Just tell us what you're saying. But it's it's not possible. It's it's not possible because these are the very same guys to to who as soon as as uh, Biden was in office they agreed that what happened on January sixth was an insurrection and that there's a white supremacist issue within the military. Timmy, da, Timmy, 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 I'm asking you: Is it possible that based on twenty years of failed judgment that the president? Right, lost confidence in their ability to predict the future, of and said, "It's possible." That's what Trump said. You're using what Trump said. When no, Trump no, said no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not trying to. And I'm not trying to make. And I'm not trying to. And I'm not trying to make this a fucking political thing. What I'm asking you is, if you look at the long history of Afghanistan, right, and if you even want to throw Iraq in there. We have been wrong, and you just—you guys just recounted some of it. The failure to view Pakistan, right, as a threat and deal with them. We dealt with Pakistan as what? A fucking ally in that's, all of this. That's I, not military. I, I, okay. That's not the military. So, so, that's but, National Command Authority. So, that's so our military, our, our military, our military leaders, our military mm-hmm. leaders for 20 years, right, have given us advice that have— put us on this track is it possible that he simply lost confidence in them all politics aside i don't believe because 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 biden they seem to agree with what biden would naturally assume would be biden's position uh anyway no i i don't i don't i don't think so at all i go back to what i said the, the two shows ago which is their job is to protect the military service people servicemen and women from stupid shit and trying to pull a neo out of your ass in Kabul is stupid shit. Their job is to protect us from that. And that kind of stupid shit is absolutely consistent with how Joe Biden's viewed the word. Well, isn't it it, so protect us isn't stupid shit allowing fucking Pakistan to provide you just use the word sucker, right? Isn't isn't that isn't that stupid, Timmy? And we've been doing that since the day we fucking got there. I was saying that in 2009 in my blog. I've said that for for over a decade now. But it wasn't stupid. But it allowed the military to limp through with these deployments where they could literally schedule the first contact and last contact in their seven-month one and and keep the casualties down to an acceptable level. Everybody gets a chance to play. That's why it was allowed to continue like that. We know how to deal with cross-border uh, problems. We ran Max Sog. We know how to go go deep and get people, but we didn't have the balls to do it because nobody was serious about winning because you can't define what winning was to begin with. And everybody just played along because, holy shit, do you see how much those guys make when they retire? Oh, my God, I read about that in the Wall Street Journal. It's rather embarrassing. Why would you, would you jeopardize those kind of uh, dollars? Yeah, look, I, 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 I think that the president uh, saw the 
the political winds blowing uh, and that the country, a majority of the country was not in favor of staying in Afghanistan. Although, you know, one of my talking points is the majority of the country just didn't care that much. Um, he was looking for uh, a symbolic opportunity to bolster uh, his own political standing. The idea that he had thought about the 20 years of advice he had gotten uh, from senior military leaders and lost confidence. I mean, it's possible. I just, I don't think that that's it. Um, yeah. I think the narrative that that senior people go along to get along uh, to make their post-retirement career uh, is a little beyond cynical even for me. Um, I think there's a lot of other things that drive it. Uh, for example, when you're in charge uh, of the service, you have the weight of the history of the service on you. Uh, and uh, I think that that can give you a different lens to make decisions with. And uh, I don't I don't think you sometimes you make what, what we would call the right decisions when you look through that lens um, that I'm not this isn't me. I'm now the service and there's a difference and you would hope it wouldn't be that way. But I think, uh, I think it definitely has become, uh, that way. Uh, and you know, I've, I've thought for a long time that, that what senior retired people make in their post retirement careers is unconscionable. Um, you know who one of the million-dollar donors was, though, to the Marine Corps Museum? Emil Crow. Emil Crow didn't yeah. live. He didn't. He didn't live a whole long a whole long time after he retired. But he generated enough wealth to give a million bucks to the Marine Corps Museum. Wow. That seems. That seems like a lot. <laughs> um, look at you, man. Look, at, look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I mean, I, you know, I read about a guy one time that I think it was with one of the shuttle disasters, was a Navy admiral, that they brought him back to be on the inquiry commission. And the reason he brought him back, because when he retired, he retired. So he wasn't connected with anybody or anything. Yeah, I don't not, know how many of those guys there are. I wish there was more. Just not to put too fine a point, but the, our unnamed friend who said maybe he lost confidence, you know, in the in the military because everything they said was wrong. Well, when you start looking at it, a lot of what they said was wrong. But as far as relations with Pakistan and countries that border Iraq, like Iran, that's none of our business. That's the State Department. That's the National Command Authority. That's not, you know, the generals and stuff. General Petraeus, finally, after the obvious fact became clear that uh, we needed more guys in Iraq, he put more guys in Iraq. And what happened? They calmed it right down, basically pacified it. Left too early, and that led to the rise of ISIS, but that worked. Um, as far in, in Afghanistan, as far as things, uh, right there, they let, they let Karzai dictate dictate, you know, when you're going to attack, whether you're going to shoot back at compounds, 
um, doing night raids and things like that. He got right down to the tactics. What they did, it wasn't what they said we should do. It's that they've stopped having the guts to stand up and say, look it, you can't fight this way and expect to win. So whoever that guy was, it seems like he's, uh, you know, he's basically trying to muddy the waters because there's a lot of pushback. I see it from our friends and stuff. We're still, you know, whose bread is still fucking buttered by that side. They're going to always say, well, you know, look at, uh, you know, these guys, they got a lot more pressures that we just don't see, you know. You know, I don't know. I think we see pretty good. And I think we see right, you know, right what it is. Their self-interest is tied up and not pitching a bitch, no matter what. And one piece of fact that I just got because um, of where I work. Those guys who got wounded in 2-1, the ones who are not badly, badly wounded are coming home this week. A lot more gunshot wounds than uh, we were led to believe. The... um. When I um, I had Grant Newstrom on this, on earlier this week, and he made a point um, not to deepen anybody, just despair. And he said, he said, so the most formidable military on the planet, with the backing of its nation, uh, the 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 people of the nation, with the 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 most vast. Uh, treasury on the planet is strategically defeated. He said, it doesn't seem fathomable to me. And he said, and it's defeated in a very, very similar way that it was defeated in Vietnam. So it ignored its own historical lessons. Um, And it's interesting when you hear people begin to consider criticism and Jeff um, is very right that you know well it looks very different once you're you know sitting in this chair and you have the weight of the service on you and blah blah blah. so what you're telling me is that everybody did the right thing for their service yet the most powerful nation on the planet both militarily and economically is strategically defeated right is strategically defeated I don't. Yeah, the I, audio and the video aren't matching, aren't syncing up here. Like <laughs> nobody did. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's and it's it's uh, it is interesting, right? The service chiefs don't fight the wars. We have other people that fight the wars. Um, fundamentally, why were we strategically defeated? Because we we chose a task that is impossible to execute with a military force. And we chose to do it with a military force. Right? Strategically, we were victorious by the middle of November of 2001. The Taliban was out. Uh, Kabul had fallen. Uh, Afghans have been chastised. They didn't get bin Laden, but it didn't really matter at that point. We were victorious, and we chose a path that we were going to fundamentally change a country using a military force. And 
I mean, I guess you could say we fundamentally changed Germany and Japan, but it took, you know, how many uh, millions, tons of incendiaries, et cetera, to do it. So, but I don't think we did, though. I mean, because they were developed nations, right? Yeah. We were not yeah. seeking to create anything in Germany and Japan that didn't fundamentally exist there prior to the war. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, and so, so we we put ourselves on this path. And I'm not even a history, like, and I'm not even a history major. You know yeah, what I mean? And just thinking, huh? There's the ultimate failure right there within President Bush's, uh, you know, inner circle of decision makers in whatever that was, late 2001, early 2002, of where do we want Afghanistan to be, and maybe. Maybe we got this, uh, you know, we got this winners. Um, we, we had yo-yoed so far from the defeat of 9-11 to the victory of the special forces riding on horseback that, you know, we can do anything. And off we went to fundamentally change Afghanistan, which it just is it's bizarre. When you step back from it. And I've only been there as a tourist. Right? I think I got a total of uh, six days in the country. And the idea that, that you were going to do what with this to achieve that, it's bizarre. And, and, then the and then the encore was, let's invade Iraq, too. Yeah. For my next trick. I will make a I will make a you know formally stable area a mess of uh, fighting and horror. Well, I, I I would say one thing about Iraq. Iraq is a very very strategic place. You know, it sits on a huge petroleum reserve. It's on the uh, Arab uh, Persian uh, rift. It's on the Sunni Shia rift. It was a source of uh, a couple of wars in the Middle East uh, previous to that. Uh, it's a it's a tremendously strategic place that if you were very cynical, um, you would like to possess and own. Well, then, I mean, we didn't want to do that. Yeah, they did. They they owned it and then they, they gave they it away. Pissed it away. Yeah, they pissed yeah. it away. So um, I, I I think there is a difference there. Afghanistan was all about retribution and future prevention, and we had done that. And how we gave it away, yeah. And then well, once, once that's done, just, what do you just do? a foot, just you know, a footnote, just a footnote. A Vietnam guy was a Secretary of State when we, what is it referred to as the Colin Powell's Pottery Barn? Yeah, right, you know, Pottery Barn. Thing. Yeah, that that you break stupid. it, you that's own stupid, it, right? And uh, we did not break Afghanistan, right? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, it we, we were going to build the Pottery Barn. Okay, we were going to yeah. build the project. You know, I, I have looked hard to see how exactly that happened. And right when we had Bin Laden pinned up in those uh, in, in the uh, Spingar Mountains, the White Mountains, when Mattis was down in Kandahar begging to come in behind him and close the trap, that was when CENTCOM and the White House started getting distracted by Iraq and shit started happening, such as uh, a CENTCOM forward tele, you know, jumps into Bagram and they start with with this no more Mogadishu's bullshit. So we this thing went pear shaped the second we got quote adult supervision on the ground, and their first instinct was to go force protection. When originally 
they had pinned Bin Laden down there because they sent a Delta guy by himself on a fucking bus to Jalalabad to figure out if he might be there. That's how ballsy the Delta guys were in 2001. So, so that thing went pear-shaped, and you, and you, you can find the Colin Powell quote, but you can't find anybody who ever said uh, uh, that here's what we're going to do for Afghanistan. And what Jeff was talking about so long ago, because I wanted to segue, it was set up that so well. When he was saying they, they, they at the beginning, it wasn't they, it was Zalmay Kalazad. And who Kalazad, what he was representing has never been made clear to me. Was he, was he faithfully representing the Bush administration or was he, as it would appear in the ensuing 20 years, on his own fucking program? Because he, he already, has everything he was in Iraq, him. too. That guy was all over Iraq, too. He went to Iraq after Iraq went pear-shaped. He was, it, he was at the Kabul embassy before then. He was the ambassador when, yeah, I, yeah, no, when I took no. over the, the contract at the security guard there. No, no, no. That guy, was he representing Bush? Was he representing Cheney or, or Rumsfeld? I don't know, because it seems he has a record of representing himself. And his insistence that Afghanistan, this is how geeky I am, adopt the single non-transverbal vote system, which is something that was developed for Polynesia Islanders, guaranteed political instability, no matter what the hell happened after he, he left. So that, and all that, it's Kalazai's fingerprints on it, because the UN people were horrified. Everybody was saying, and the UN was horrified by this, and the UN's is horrified by that. Yeah, but let, and, me, let, me, let me bring this back to the original question, which is, the most powerful nation... Sorry. On, on the on the earth, both militarily, economically, is strategically defeated, right? Is strategically defeated, and then uh, as you begin to kind of look at it, you hear what we've heard, you know, Jeff say, and I think will allude to, and and is that everybody everybody did the right thing, and and so to me, as you as you begin to focus the spotlight, and and Will's and and Will's point is valid, you know, the service chiefs shouldn't be under the white hot spotlight. They didn't they didn't prosecute the war. The COCOMs, the chairman. So I mean what is the appropriate, you know, where does the white hot spotlight go in 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 the critical analysis of the policy decisions that got made, right, that led the United States of America to be defeated in a Vietnam esque right war. Yeah, for the second just time. Just yeah, the sec just, and chairman. It's the sec def and the chairman. Yeah, but the only people that talk to the president. But 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 listen to this, guys. I mean, we know that our our uh, our service chief, who later became chairman of the Joint Chiefs, had been a, the guy running things in Afghanistan for a while, and he was a big player in Iraq, and the in the execution, you know, of uh, first couple years there. So it's like, yeah, he's and and their job is to advise the president, all the service chiefs. Their job is to, you know. No, it's not. I thought that's the only thing that I mean. Besides being the stewards of the uh, service, they, they give advice. They, the reforms that Colin Powell pushed through made the chairman. President oh. doesn't meet with the service chiefs for advice. He meets with them for photo ops. He'll go over to the tank about once every six months. But the well, guy that's again, in his. Powell. Once again, Colin Powell yeah. has helped the enemies of the United States. But the, serv- the the chairman is the one that goes to the White House. Right. Uh, the chairman's the one that's on the principal's committee. The service chiefs are not. 
So, well, what, besides that stuff about this is a strategic defeat, we're defeated strategically, you know, it sounds dire, you know. But what about this idea? It's not? It's we, not? Well, let, let me finish. Let me finish. What, what about this? Because this is what people are going to say, and this is could be accurate. This was a bad policy. It was uh, it, it was d- done well in some places, done poorly in most places in Afghanistan. And when the time came, with the proper um, with the proper actions taken to extricate ourselves to where we only had a you know skeleton force in there, and we're uh, you know we're still reassuring the Afghans that they can hang on. Instead of that, what we got was a ham-handed, screwed-up final, you know, act of this thing. The the way we pulled out of there, the way we got rid of Bagram, where we left, we left, we pulled the military out before we had all the civilians out, before all the people running bullshit universities and you know schools for girls and shit like that. Before we got them out, we got all the gun gun toters out, and then we decided to do this uh, non-combatant evacuation on a schedule. And and because of the ham-handed way we abandoned the uh, Afghans, they collapsed immediately. Whereas they never expected that. They thought they were going to hang on, so there'd be what what uh, they used to call at the end of Vietnam a decent interval between us pulling out and them pulling in. And the decent interval went from being like they were hoping a year or two, or maybe a couple more years, uh, you know, in the optimistic, and the pessimistic was like 90 days. Instead, it was like nine days. The thing fell apart. And I think that was the ham-handed, that was the, in the run-on sentence of failure in Afghanistan, that was the final period, that fuck up there that happened last month. And that, now that characterized the whole thing. There's no reason for these guys to be driving around in Hummers. There's no reason for them to have been, been in there that quick or for the Afghans to collapse that fast. But same thing, um, you, know, you got told this is what your opinion is. And you express it and nothing else. Otherwise, you're fired. So a bunch of people just whistled past the graveyard about uh, the way we did this. There's no reason why those couple hundred thousand Afghans with those fucking helicopters and the air that they had and the fact that we could back them up a little bit, why they had to collapse while the, before the NEO even started, for Christ's sake. That's what, what, what do you mean? Hand. What do you mean there's no reason? I mean... Then, 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 Jeff, then, Jeff, provide me the reason that it happened because they never believed in what they fought for. Well, no, because they felt abandoned. Because, like, the way we got out of there, and we all went through this again, getting, you know, abandoning Bagram, pulling out the military troops before he got the civilians out of there. What the they thought, and I tell you, a lot of Afghans thought. They retired right there in Afghanistan. They're being hunted down now. They thought this thing was going to last. And because of the way we did it, I mean, the shit they were telling Ghani. I mean, I heard this one report. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. But I heard this one report. The president of the United States is telling the president of Afghanistan to, to lie about what's going on in the country, about how good the army is and all this stuff. Right scant days before the guy finally, you know, pulled chocks and ran away. So that's what I'm talking about. Parts they brought they brought the Afghan uh, minister of defenses and, and the high ranking Joes. They brought them to the states. They hosted them. You know they they tried to establish a personal relationship. So I think that was just totally abandoned. These guys just uh, they, according to accounts, they had no idea they're going to close Bagram down until they were gone. 
And the same thing with the uh, with what was going on in Kabul at Ashkaya. How much coordination could there have been made with the Afghan security forces that, that are around the airport, you know, the, at uh, in Kabul, and for them to know all of a sudden these guys disappear? How much? How often could they have been talking to them to not pick that up? Or maybe they did pick it up and they reported it up and it was ignored. We just don't know yet. But that part was screwed up. And that's why the whole thing looks like a bag of shit. Now, there's more to it than that. I mean, we've talked about that, you know, and I think that the whole thing was, you know, ill done from, you know, from 2002 onwards. But, uh, you know, there's there, this could have been handled better. And General McKenzie's known as a, as a savvy guy. So it's a mystery to me what really went on here. You know, do they really think the Afghans are just going to um, I think they really thought they're going to be able to hang on for a few months. They'd have that decent interval. They didn't even hang on for a few days. The whole thing went to shit. Everybody started running. Except for the Minister of Defense. Oh, and the former president, they feel safe enough to stay in there with these Taliban guys who they were killing at the rapid rate for years. They feel okay to stay in there. That means they're traitors. That's the only answer to that, right? That means while they were killing some, they were warning most everybody else. Yes. And they yes. were only killing the people that didn't pay the bribe. Because that, that's how that shit works. That's that's how the poppy eradication program worked. Why are they whacking the shit out of that guy's bulbs and they just drove a tractor once through that guy's field? Oh, because that guy's on the car by his brother. That's why. right. That guy paid. That guy did not. Oh, I got it. But the, but when you but again when you I mean think about that we comp, we misjudge and again you heard um, I don't know it was a press conference. In May, April, that's the May, probably May, June. Now that I think about it, you know, the question is, do they have the will to fight? They have, they have the, they have the material, they have a trained army, they have, you know, an, an air force. The question is, do they have the will? And so, when the whole country, when the whole military cuts a deal, you know, then, <coughs> then they never, they never believed in it. You know, and one of the things that I, I think about now is, is you know, when, when I ask, we've talked about that, this, this notion of Afghanistan li- exists on an international map, right? But, <laughs> but the nation of Afghanistan, you know, does it exist for the Afghans or do they see it? And, and I mean, one of the things we've talked about here is, no, they don't see a, a nation of Afghanistan. They see it through the lens of their tribe. Yet France, that's, that's an excellent point you just made. But, but France, Marty took Pakistan. Pakistan doesn't see Afghanistan as Afghanistan either. They see it as northern Pakistan. Right. Okay. So, so, but Franz Marty took me to task on that. He said, "No, they do see it as Afghanistan." And then he at the end, and then and then I challenged him on pudding, pudding stuff. Yeah, I know. And then I challenged him on it. He says, "Well, they do see it as Afghanistan." But none of them agree on what Afghanistan is, and I That's said, "Well, exactly right." I said, "Well, isn't that the same fucking thing then?" No, well, the Tajiks explain it to me. Are, Tajiks and the Uzbeks are not the Pashtun. The Pashtun have a whole different way that they think Afghanistan ought to be than the other. Uh, um, then, 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 then Timmy, tribes. how can and Afghan exist if how can Afghan exist if nobody sees it as Afghanistan? 
because it's got boundaries and it's got mullahs and the mullahs tell them it's Afghanistan and it used to have a king. The fact of the matter is we're not sure what the hell it's going to be now because we're off, off of any previous charted territory. The Taliban doesn't have the ass to control all these people. They're fighting amongst themselves, you know, having gun battles in the presidential palace. Ooh, that doesn't look too good on the national press. They've got I would no say, money. though, in the end, who cares? Right, right now, right now, we care because they've got hostages. They've got hundreds of hostages. Yeah, but but we're we're like disappointed almost that the Taliban is not controlling the country and that they're killing each other. Yeah, what do you yeah who? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you're getting your news, Will, but you might want to switch channel. Yeah, no, I'm rooting for them myself. The administration may not be, but I'm 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 rooting for them to tear the shit out of each other. I hate them. Yeah, let, let me ask you a question about China because I had an interesting conversation about Grant with Grant about China. How do you think? How do you think China approaches Afghanistan? I mean, China is is, is very respectful um, of the um, of all the trappings that come with attempting to deal with the Muslim population in their own country, right? Wow. And and Grant alluded to the fact that you know if the Muslim world is if the Islamic world looks at you and says you are now at war with us because you are now like the United States and like Russia, you are now attempting, right? You are now the infidel in our land. Yeah, they're pretty, I can't believe that the Chinese would have somebody running things as dumb as George W. Bush, but, uh, you know, who would get involved in a military way. They might want to be in there symbolically, like have a presence at Bagram Uh, so they can rub our nose in it on the world stage. But, you know, Mac, I would be surprised if the Chinese would actually bring in, you know, armed troops to back up either side because they would know that there'd be just that optic for a lot of, uh, if not the Pashtuns, then then the Tajiks. Anybody who's against the guy who's running things, I can't see. Although, you know, stupidity of nations, you know, uh, in regards to Afghanistan is, uh, you know, it's happened again and again. But this is so close. I don't know if the Chinese would do it. It would be nice to think so, wouldn't it? But I don't no, know. they're not going to do it because we're the only people that are stupid enough to put in uniformed troops and have them stand around not molesting everybody and say, look, see how much you appreciate that? We've bought security. The Chinese, the Chinese road crews started building highways in Afghanistan in 2004. That Kabul-Jalalabad road was paved by the Chinese. And the mm-hmm. thing about the Chinese is they paid so little they wouldn't even hire Afghans. They bought an entire Chinese cruise. And the Taliban or proto-Taliban or criminals, whoever, probably Haqqani's guys, they would kidnap these engineers and they would take them and they would hold them for ransom like they did with the Indians and, and the other country people. And the Chinese would say, oh, no, hell no. They would just go ahead and bring in more, more engineers and more road guys. And for the longest time, the joke around Jalalabad is, hey, there's a Chinese guy uh, uh, escaping from the Taliban. Well, how do you know? Because all the dogs are disappearing. That would be the joke, you know, Chinese guys killing and eating the dogs as they make their way towards the embassy. So China owns, well, used to own until Taliban took over the country, the biggest copper deposit in the world. They bought it fair and square from the Afghan Bureau of, 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 of Mining and Minist- the Ministry of Mining after it had been awarded to a Canadian uh, company legitimately. They changed their mind when and the Chinese bought it. In order to exploit those minerals, 
they've got to build a railroad, a big railroad. They've got to build a comp, a capable railroad. And I don't think that once they, they're going to go in there very, very tepidly, very cautiously, there's been 20 years of the Afghans arresting their uh, Chinese citizens for prostitution in Kabul, and it's been a particularly nasty and nasty uh, thing for them to endure. But um, uh, so they've got some bad feelings already on the business side of things, and I think China is going to slowly see if they can exploit the mineral reserves. They don't have to put troops in there. Who's stupid enough to put troops in there? Are you saying there's Chinese hookers in Kabul? Oh, dude. So I was taking one of those. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I could tell you stories about that. Yeah, the joke, the joke in uh, in Kabul about Chinese restaurants was, hey, and I heard they serve food too. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's long ago. Uh, the mullahs put an end to that in 2007 for the most part. But but uh, but, but no, this is we don't know what the hell's going to happen. We're on uncharted territory, and all I know is I don't think our leadership thinks they made a mistake. I think that they think they did the best they could, given no, the think, horrible I circumstances they imposed on themselves. Yeah, they can't admit it. Yeah. They re- yeah, they they made a mistake. Oh yeah. No. Those those 13 people lost were 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 unnecessary. Completely avoidable if we had been able to do what we know how to do. Well, here's my my question in in relative to to that incident is um, you know, you read the article in Politico and you put you start to create a timeline for that. Right? Who was making that decision? Was the on-scene commander making that decision? Or was that, you know, was Lyndon Johnson picking targets from the basement of the White House? You know, That's, that we don't and, know. And, and so if it's the on-scene commander who made that decision, then they have to live with that. You know, but if it's, if it's people at the Pentagon, in the tank, at the White House, um, then it's just another sad chapter in us not learning the things that we should learn and it's uh it's and that is it's uh it's distressing and then the more of that video that you see will sent a link yesterday and he alluded to it earlier in the podcast but you watch that and you see the environment around that th- those gates and then the threat level goes up and the force post- the force protection posture doesn't change substantially to the point where a suicide bomber can can come in and I still don't understand what happened there. You know, I've never <laughs> I've right, never yeah. heard of a suicide bomber killing, you know, yeah. 200, 200 people there there. One bomb yeah. doesn't the make it. The more comes from that the, the more it, right. it go, they're saying at least four explosions people that were there. Right. And, and let that, me tell you and so that and, and and I'm interested to hear that. So the, the number one question was who was making that decision and then two um, can somebody provide me the footnotes about what actually happened uh, in the vicinity of that gate that so many people got killed? Because it doesn't, right? The audio and the video ain't syncing up. Those battalion commanders had to have combat tours, multiple. The gunnies, the first sergeants, I can't believe they would willingly put themselves in that position. Yeah, that's, but I got to tell you, crazy. it's different. You look at that video, right? There was no experience in Iraq where you're standing on one side of a wire, a third-party security force, which I can't identify, is butt-stroking and pointing weapons at people. you got Marines uh, shooting shotgun munitions <clears throat> overhead. I, I It was, again, video is tough. 
but I, I was attempting to see through what are the potential rules here. Who is in support of whom? What are we willing to witness in front of our eyes? There was never a situation in Iraq that was like that. And I still, I just fundamentally don't understand the geography of the place. Yeah. Um, I wish I had an overhead map view that corresponded with some of those scenes of that video just to try and get my arms around it because I can't. And I'll link, I'll, I'll put the video that we're talking about here in the link in the podcast. And Will, how did, how did, you that was on YouTube. I got sent to you. Uh, Facebook, YouTube. Where did no, where did that I, come from? It must have been on. It was on. It was on some website that I monitor, and so. Uh, yeah, and so then I just put it in search in YouTube, uh, and found it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So it's something that's out there. Um, I, I know that area really damn well. Uh, that's right down the road from Camp Sullivan, and I was the first guy to occupy that place. So I know the damn place intimately well. And I'm telling you, I don't understand how we did not achieve standoff. That as, uh, but, but that's Monday morning quarterbacking. And, Tim, I, and did I'm, you see and that I'm, video? And I'm wrong. I haven't seen the video you're referring to. Well, I, I've, I've seen enough pictures to know that we were. I'm it was not a situation we would want to be in. You got to watch the link because you're yeah. watching a meeting engagement of uh-huh. Marines, a third-party security force, which I assume is Taliban, and masses of civilians and concertina wire all coming together at the same time. Right. To the point that these third-party people are literally bludgeoning civilians in front of you. They're pointing AKs in their face. While Marines are three feet away, watch. Yeah, but but which stage in the video? Which stage one? I, I don't know. But that's I'm the saying. thing. That's what I'm saying. You're, I understand what you're saying, but we would not willingly persist to be in that situation. I think we would have achieved some standoff, and I'm pretty sure I know how I would have done it. But that's just that I'm I might be being totally unreasonable and unfair to those guys on the ground, yeah. and I apologize then, if so. I think there's part of that video of this. Uh, you know, sewage ditch area as well. Yeah, and that's, right and that's day three, day four. And that's, and that's what I'm talking about as a situation that I don't think that you would have willingly put yourself in if you could have avoided it. And there were ways of getting your standoff, I believe. But yeah, I think that's Monday that's morning quarterbacking. I don't want to be a yeah, guy. I think that's Monday morning uh-huh. quarterbacking because, you know, one of the things I learned in, in just, the, you know, developing the decision making and constantly looking at the world through that, if you were given the same circumstances that those guys w- were given, you would be doing the same thing, right? You'd be, yeah, uh, maybe, you'd be, maybe, you'd maybe be doing pretty much the same thing. And that's, it to maybe, me, that's, maybe, that's, that's. Well, the thing is, it's like, uh, you know, they would have sent a forward command element in there to work out, okay, we're going to have our perimeter that we can do because by, by, by our numbers, you know, and by what we got to do here. And then uh, we got the uh, outside security force, which is going to be Afghan security forces. And, uh, okay, who's the belly button for that guy? Who do I – we need to, you know, we need to establish, uh, you know, an initial meeting with these folks as soon as we get in there to figure out what their conception is, how far out they're going to be. They didn't have any of that because it was the Taliban who just showed up. And, um, you know, first they, I think they felt each other out. Okay, we're not going to shoot at each other. And then it got into, okay, we have these crowds of people coming. 
wow, we didn't know you guys were going to be here. We thought it was going to be those ANA guys, but instead it's you. Well, uh, you know, people are going to come here and try and get evacuated. And so Taliban's like, well, we got to check back. We've, we've, we always been told to just kill you guys. So we got to check back and there's all that. And, and, uh, but so Jeff, the, I mean, I the, the, yeah, well, no, no, but yeah, question yeah, is like, why don't, why didn't you create, why didn't you create the Afghan security? You, you could have employed Afghans to, to get between you and, and Will says there's a third party there. Did we do that? That's did we, mean. did the we take, because I think the third party is originally supposed to be ANSAF and then uh, they disappeared. So now the yeah, but third do party, we, we don't, we Taliban. don't No, but we don't know that if you, did you see the video? No. Okay. You both should watch it because when we're talking about a third party, we're not talking about the Taliban. We're talking about, you know, somebody standing within feet of the concertina, within feet of the Marines, attempting to be between the the, the people that are crushing those gates. Right. We're talking you don't about think it was Taliban. I I don't. No. And they had weapons. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was people without. People with weapons who weren't Taliban who were Afghans. That's my opinion. May have been Taliban. Don't uh-huh. My opinion. My opinion is that they were not. But but why couldn't we reconstitute with the condition of will about we'll take you with us? You know, because you, you didn't way to do it. You didn't need that many dudes, and you could have found a bunch of them. I'm sure you could have found a general that. If the Taliban owned everything outside the airport, why would they tolerate guys like that? They wouldn't. You know, we don't. They would be arguing. We don't know what the hell was going on there. You had you coming off those planes. You're grabbing air. Establishment of a question. On people, don't shoot on people. I I don't even understand why we would be nitpicking this thing. We could have dictated the terms of this fucking thing, and we didn't. Instead, we took counsel of our fears. We stayed behind the wire because we didn't want to offend everybody. We let the Brits and the French go out, but we stayed behind the wire and meekly took whatever the Taliban gave us to take out. And, and, and we're calling it a victory. And we're calling it a victory. And the only reason I did not take that 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 ball that Mac just served to me and, and reply that, yes, I too would have done that were my McNamara. The only reason I didn't throw that one right back at you was because it's so damn serious what we're talking about. I, I just wanted to slip it in there because it was, God damn it, was a hell of a setup, Mac, that I didn't smash for back. What, for what are you talking about? Yeah, when you were talking about, I wouldn't have done this. And I was sitting and thinking about the Alexander the Great quote. Yes, I too would do that. Were I Cicero or whatever. I wouldn't have done what? When we were talking, buddy, you're way past it. It was a while while you left yourself open to this particular uh, 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 thrust. Never mind, forget it. I just was laughing my ass off when you said that, though. You were talking about, I, I would have done that too. No, I, I didn't say any of that. What I said is, it's a mistake, right? Not knowing the circumstances to say, if I was there, I would have achieved standoff by doing this. And right. when, if you look at the long arc, a long arc of history, and you put yourself in that same situation with the same conditions and the same intel, more than likely you would have done the same thing. And that's and that was the setup. But I'm not going to take advantage of it. To set up this, no, no, go go ahead, go ahead, Timmy, take advantage of it. I want you to, uh, I want to hear your brilliance now in action. Go ahead. No, no, I would have set the temp. I, I would have, if we're going to charge into Kabul Airport, Timmy's brilliance would have had us doing this in Bagram. By the way, okay, so, okay, stop, stop. The point is, right? If you put yourself in the same situation with the same intelligence, with the same rules of engagement, you would more than likely be doing the same thing. And the first thing and the, the and the and the first thing out of your mouth is if I was gonna do it, I would change all of that. 
Okay, no, no, and that's I'm why I'm saying for you to say Monday morning that I would have done it differently, right? If you study historical decision making in his, history and you know what they knew at the time they knew it and the rules that they yeah. operated under, you would have been doing pretty much the same thing. Right. Okay. We got to wait for these guys to come back and hear all these yeah, PMEs, yeah. you know. Yeah, I right. don't understand how, if that's the case, how do you not shoot the armed people who are, who are beating and bludgeoning innocent in front of you? find out. You know what? There's ways of doing this. How did? What were the challenges they faced that we haven't heard of yet? You know, and all this stuff. I, I'm anxious to hear how this thing went down. And and I don't know what will really be a, a, a you know regrettable thing is if there's uh, moves to silence these folks coming back. Well, well if, if the ultimate thing we did, if the yeah. ultimate thing we're saying here is we did the best we could given the circumstances presented us, I I don't accept that. Uh, then, then you're saying, well, then you're saying that those th- those 13, there was nothing we could have done to prevent to prevent that, too. I don't buy that for a second. There's a lot. Well, of no, I, we to me, I think the number one RFI is who was who was making the decisions. Right. Yeah. And we all watched the threat condition go up and the force protection measures seemingly did not change. We all know that those things move in sync. And so yeah. the question is, who? Who makes that decision? Does the on-scene commander, which we all know has got to have the ultimate authority, or is that, you know, when you read the Politico article uh, that, that lays out timelines and, and whatnot and meetings that were held, was that decision being made and influenced by the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the White House? And if that's the case, then it's, it's even, you know, it's, 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 it's worse. It's worse. You can live with if the on-scene commander says, this was, my, this was my evaluation, this is what I thought, this is what I was doing. So ultimately it's on, on them. If it's not, and if it's coming from Washington, D.C., I mean, it makes it worse by a magnitude of I don't know what, but worse. Final, there's, evidence fi- that, uh, there's evidence, and a good thing, you're asking for good things, that uh, both the uh, GCE units that were in there from Lejeune and from Pendleton, that uh, – Somebody task organized from both outfits and from beyond to uh, to help the Afghan evacuees uh, and American evacuees when they got through the, you know, through the perimeter. Because <laughs> uh, casualty list there, you know, of uh, who was killed is uh, it's not just from 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines. It's mostly 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, but not just. So, you know, the fact they uh, they did that was a good thing. Somebody it was. Mac, what that does is points to somebody was in charge of the actual stuff on the ground. What was he? What was he allowed to do? What was he not allowed to do? You know, what constraints did he have on him? Like, if you say to you know go back, broaden it a little bit. You say to Army commander or a Marine commander who happens to be the uh, the Afghan you know commander in the 2000s and early 2010s, you say to him, you can do whatever you want to crush this. Uh, insurrection, you know, of mainly Pashtun, Taliban, but you can't screw with Pakistan. Basically, you're telling the same thing we were telling the CG of the 3rd Marine Division in Vietnam. You can't fucking go over the border into North Vietnam. Oh, and by the way, you can't fuck with Laos either. So it's that type of thing we want to know. We want to know what were the constraints on who those guys were, what the constraints were. And if they're not allowed to say, then that sucks because no one tried to shut up guys like, uh, you know, uh, and he, these guys weren't talkers either, but like General, uh, um, uh, oh, uh, fucking Medal of Honor winner, 3rd Marine Division guy. Shoot. Did we, Dewey Canyon. Um, fuck. Davis. Davis. General Davis. 
was a third marine. He's a guy who did, you know, uh, you know, did a lot of innovative things there in 1969. And, uh, you know, no one ever shut that guy up. And the reason, though, trying to hold that trace, trying to hold, trying to not fuck with Laos, even though it's like a it's like a four lane highway, you know, of stuff coming in. Those guys got put on shitty constraints too, but they talked about it afterwards. It will really be a yeah, shame. Yeah, Jeff, I, I don't think there's any guys. there's I don't think there's any way, shape, or form, given the digital age we live in, the amount of you know cell phone video that's coming out of there, that when this this discussion begins to percolate, right? There's no way that it it'll stay under wraps. So at some point, we will find who made those decisions and the constraints they operated under. All right, uh, final thought, Will. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm not encouraged um, at the top um, for sure. Uh, I've seen nothing from Austin or General Milley that shows any sort of introspection on this, um, and I've not. You know, the Republicans, I think, senators just wrote a letter that they want to have a hearing with Millie and Austin to testify. Um, you know, at some point there should be some congressional oversight, but it'd be a lot better instead of just writing a letter that they want to testify that they actually put the research into it and put out, here's what we want to discuss in order to figure out, here's what we want to find out. Because otherwise it just looks like it's a political, you know, bashing session, which uh, might make them feel good and help in an election cycle, but doesn't actually do anything for the country. So um, none of that stuff is encouraging at all. And it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, the president is moving on. He, he wants to get to the political agenda, et cetera, but this is an open sore whole defeat thing but also the people that we imported um the people that we imported are a dirty dirty not so secret secret uh that's going to haunt a lot of places in america for a long time to come so timmy final thought I uh, I don't think that the uh, the amount of Afghan refugees that are going to come into this country are going to be that significant, and I think most of them will make pretty good citizens. Um, but they're certainly not going to be uh, Democratic supporters uh, by their very nature. And I am again amazed at the amount of scrutiny being uh, given these Afghan uh, immigrate immigrants, considering about a thousand a day come right through my town, get bust or flown out of here and into the heartland with no papers, no idea who they are, no no medical screening, no nothing. The, the people, the Afghans that went through the process, that paid the money to get no shit visas issued to them were left behind. I have one of them, and one of, one of many. This was a failed evolution. As Will has correctly uh, observed, the president's moving on. The press will, of course, move on. Nobody wants to scrutinize the current president so, too much. Our service chiefs have reminded us of the obligation not to be critical of the commander-in-chief. 
in direct 180 degrees out from how they perceived their duty with the last commander in chief, but we're not supposed to even notice that. And I'm 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 just appalled. I I think that this is going to slip into the uh, into the wake, and we'll talk about this again next year, maybe a couple of nine one ones after that, and then uh, come September 11th. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to talk about anything or remember anything because there's nothing to remember now. Whatever the hell happened that day is gone. We've we frittered it away, and now all we're left is the bitter ashes of the defeated, and it's irritating to me. Jeff. Yeah, I think uh, what I think the story still goes on. I think we're going to see uh, it may actually affect the way our new our new for our military policy towards stuff because now um, people are seeing what Afghanistan looks like with the Taliban basically changing command with the U.S. forces. Now it's a huge terrorist state, way more capable than they were before. If nothing else, just for the crap we left in there for them. So. Um, and a lot of them probably got a bone to pick with the United States. That that still exists. That thing that led to 9-11 didn't go away. You know, that type of philosophy. So all this, let's shift to the Paycom Theater and let's get, get a new force design with little guys on islands and calling in missiles and stuff. We may not be able to go there yet. Things may generate from there. I mean, they sure. I mean, it's pretty good launching pad for us to keep the whole Western world safe from terrorism by having our guys in Afghanistan. Well, now the bad guys are in Afghanistan again, you know, in in, in total. So, I think uh, I think the bad stuff has only begun. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know there's terrorist attacks that are formulated from out there that uh, come to fruition. It's the same old Taliban, you know. I I. Grant's words, you know, continue to echo in my ears all week. You know, the most formidable nation militarily and economically is defeated strategically in Afghanistan. And Jeff's, Jeff said, what are the consequences? Well, I mean, those are yet to be seen. But at some point, they will come. And if you're an Islamic fundamentalist person, what do you conclude after watching this? That Osama bin Laden was right, right? That, that Osama was, bin Laden was right. They will come and they will die here. And we will triumph. And um, and that the, the, the Taliban were right when they said, it's a puffer government and we won't deal with it. And so, you know, you watch this and it's just, it's it's absolutely painful, right, to watch this and um, and to know that, you know, September 11th is going to come around in a couple of days. And 20 years later, the Taliban um, stand stronger in possession of a nation, in possession with a lot of military arms, and and we stand diminished. And that's not a good thing for the world. It's certainly not a good thing for the United States. So uh, sobering, sobering times we live in. And then I think the cherry on top of all of that, and, and everybody has alluded to it, we look at the beginnings of introspection and what we hear is everybody did a good job. Then how the <laughs> fuck do you get strategically defeated if everybody did a good job? So anyway, on that depressing note, thank you guys very much. Uh, always appreciate the conversation. Have a great day. Hey, have a great weekend, guys. Yeah. All right, bye-bye. That'll do it on this Friday. My thanks to my friends for coming on today. 
<clears throat> in what obviously is a conversation that none of us wishes we were having. So um, Afghanistan continues to fold before our eyes. Uh, this weekend we will um, we will remember the events of September 11th with the sting of our departure from Afghanistan layered on top of that. So uh, if I could offer some advice, stay away from the TV. So on that note, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Have a great day. Make sure to check in on your friends. And uh, if you don't isolate yourself, you get through anything. Even this. I'm out.